This is Brain Fuzz, the art, music, and culture podcast with Joe Camusa and Matthew White. Today, Joe and Matthew join artist boy Anna Jin at her studio to discuss her unique, cross-disciplinary path and creative life. This is episode 21. to go either in medical school or engineering or something like that. And I, I, I really didn't know what I wanted, you know. I did love science, I love languages, but at the time, in Bosnia, Croatia, there were like a civil war. We, we had the worst uh, political situation in a long time. I remember when I went to college, it was the biggest inflation ever recorded. Um, it was huge. You like go and buy half half loaf of bread for like a million dinners, and next day's million and a half, and the next day's two million, or something like that. So completely wow. ridiculous. So I felt I have to choose the choice that's more practical, right? And so I went to medical school, and I finished it. The staff. I remember, you know, when I was. Uh, passing dermatology, I could hear bombs falling, right? Oh my gosh. It, it's totally surreal. And I got A minus, yay! <laughs> 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 and it's just totally surreal, you know? You're like, you, you go, you, you answer, you know, you get this good grade, you go out, you hear a detonation, you uh, take a walk, you meet your ex boyfriend, he's like, hey, we have this party on the roof, we're gonna watch bombs falling. and artillery, uh, artillery oh, wow. trying to, you know, um, defend, and w- when they hit each other, this anti-bomb, with the bomb, whatever, I don't know the terminology, <laughs> there's this, like, a big splash. Wow. <laughs> it was a really strange time, and thank God, you know, me and my family, we'd be fine. Lots of people were not that sad. Um, anyways, after I finished, um, I I decided, you know, to to maybe do something on the side that was creative. And there was this like a little bitty design schools school that I tried to get in to do maybe uh, interior design, anything that is just creative. And at the same time, I met my now husband Brian, and uh, we married in Serbia and. We heard all kind of crazy stories about immigration and people not being able to get a green card for years. But for me, it was like a week there, wow. two weeks here, like, welcome to the United States. Do you have a sister? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I was like blown away. I was like, this is great. I don't know. You know, at two weeks, I got a green card, this beautiful welcoming letter. So it was just somehow things got open and and I just felt, you know, I didn't tell you, but I was really, there were parts of medicine that I liked, especially neurology, but I was suffering. I I just really always wanted to create it, to do something creative. It can be art, design, whatever. And I I was really miserable 
professionally and it was like a new beginning. <laughs> How'd that go yeah. over with like family and, and friends? Were, were people supportive? Yeah, here they were very supportive. And uh, That's good. But yeah. there? Well, I think um, depends, you know. I think it was a shock a little bit for my parents because I'm MD and now I want to draw and paint. Um, it, it, took <laughs> <laughs> it took a while for that to change, you know. Uh -huh. um, I, I mean, I was working in Emory as a biologist. The change was gradual, and then, then I had a tough pregnancy. I was filming for 40 years, so that was very tough. And I was doing all this exhibition in what you could call, um, you know, non-professional market, like amateur, mm -hmm. self-taught, Mm -hmm. artists mm -hmm. and galleries mm -hmm. um, and uh, I was I don't know I was kind of at the end I wanted to leave art and I was trying different things and I was like okay I'm just gonna try to enter these maybe schools and universities and the first place they want me that's gonna be that's gonna, and uh, the SCAD immediately they said if you want us we want you <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's a sign. That's, that was a little <laughs> while after I met you, because we both were volunteering at MoCA GA. Yes. Like, they, they had a call for volunteers, and I remember getting to know you yes. then. So that was, a lo that was a long time ago. <laughs> that was a long time ago. And MoCA was wonderful, and Annette was wonderful. Yeah. And to me, it was like, I really enjoyed it, just being in that setting, the museum setting, and... Probably finding community as well, though, yeah. of other like-minded crazy people that are, you know, taking the uh, oath exactly. of poverty and, uh, you know, well, life in the arts isn't easy, but it, there's there's not. camaraderie and strength in realizing that, no, it does make sense that, Thank you. that you're obsessed with lime. <laughs> and who is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a that's great well story. Said. But you've, you've had a number of successes, and in, including traveling to Venice for the uh, architecture biennale. Yes. So how do you deal with the anxiety of the creativity treadmill and of always trying to top your last success? Yeah. Um, I don't have it. <laughs> I... I don't know, the only, we were just talking, the only problems that I have is these things, the paperology, that you have to write, apply to things, um, there's this boring part of art, but yeah. everything else is just like, it pushes you, this thing inside just constantly pushes you, it's almost like a generator in my mind that I actually have to slow it down, it's like, you know, yeah. I have to tame it and say, stop, you have to wait for me. Because this part, the, the mind constantly working and constantly wants to do something better. And so it's kind of, I, I had to learn how to tame it. You know, looking at your history, you're, you're so disciplined and I guess that's where it comes from. Is probably, that yeah, probably. A couple of people told me I was organized. And when they told me first time, I just want to laugh. <laughs> and you know, after they told me a couple of times after, I was like, hmm, maybe I'm organized. Wow, I'm no, organized. No, you are. You, <laughs> yeah, or, or in your thinking. I mean, I mean, you know, you were looking at my notebooks and, you know. <laughs> you, whenever I hear that, it's always people look at you askance in these quarters if it's like, oh, you're organized, you're neat. But um, 
I mean, I know grad school is tough because and then you went on for an MFA, which uh, is certainly grinding. Probably nowhere near what I'm assuming medical school would be like. But to be able to have that forced discipline of you only have so much time on this subject, yeah. and yeah. and I'm wondering, like, with your practice, and we've talked in the past, you're you're an everyday. Yes. You go every make, day and make work. something for the pile kind of yes. person. You you constantly make and we were talking about it over coffee one day. The creativity is just something that never stops. You know, you, you get up, put your clothes on, that's creativity. You make something for breakfast. You know, the way you organize your plate, that's a little piece of art. Then you go to your studio, you make these important pieces of art. It never stops. That's such I a healthy, kind of optimistic way, way of looking at things. It is. You know, where you live, right? That's great. It's just... The creativity is, is part of who you are. Yeah, and, and you just live your life, right? And it's not for all of us. That, that's why I keep people, people say, oh, you're an artist, you're so creative. Like, the creativity, you can wash dishes creatively, right? Absolutely. But art is, is something that, it's, for me, it's a philosophy. It's a visual philosophy. It's a visual way to discover life, what life is, how you put yourself in the context of who you are in this life. It's philosophy. Well, attitude, um, you know, I mean, there's so much, many myths around creativity that, you know, you have to be miserable and no. and all of that. And, I'm, you know, there, I think a lot of people maybe are drawn to the arts. There is some corollary to mental illness or depression and those yeah. sorts of things yeah. but I also think though like you're saying I mean that is a that's a willful decision though to you know do you and how you have your coffee what yeah. cup do you put it in or do you just do you not care about any of that and sometimes it's those little yeah. things yeah. that can bring a moment of beauty or joy uh, yeah. into you know the mundane and I think we're all searching for uh, you know to try to catch some bit of the sublime if we can oh yeah a good espresso. I, you know, <laughs> it's funny because I, the, in my notes, I made a couple of notes before, uh-huh. for, that, that I can barely read. But it's a it's a fine page <laughs> of notes so, here in paragraph form. I, so the reason I bring up the anxiety and because <laughs> I'm yeah. very nervous. Because I'm very nervous. In a previous episode, we talked about the anxieties of creating and of. of, of simply existing as as an artist Mm -hmm. or someone who creates Mm -hmm. you know you have an energy and a positivity about you that that i would say is infectious how do you 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 gave some examples earlier but how do you for the long because this is a marathon not a sprint yeah how do how do you avoid becoming negative and growing jaded over time yeah uh i think that's like a spiritual practice you have to know who you are what charges your batteries, what are your your boundaries. For example, one of the things that was very hard for me for many, many years was saying no to things or people. Opportunities or... Yeah, opportunities or, you know, sometimes you're just tired and and you you expect it to go to this opening, right? Because it's an important institution. You know, there are all these rules of networking. This person does this for you, you do this. I mean, there's all kind, you can get yourself in a matrix of all kind of expectations. Mm-hmm. And so it is absolutely impossible to say yes to everything. 
and so you, I, I, for me, I know what I want. Sometimes I push myself, but I can't always. Sometimes I make mistakes, and I kind of learn to forgive myself if I do. But I have to, you know, respect boundaries. I don't want to be pushed around. And when, when you have your boundaries, then, then you have this much energy for, the, for a day, you know, and that's what you got. And, and if you use too much, you're going to burn out. And I know so many burnout people. People are burnt out left and right, not just in art. Yeah. They're constantly working, long hours. Americans have such a small vacations. You feel guilty if you don't work because you said for value is, is based in what you just do, not who you are, you know? But, so true. But yeah, I mean, it's really tough. And so also being a woman in 40s, Shout out to all the women in forties. It's the best thing. <laughs> what, what do you I say that? I think what? it's like something clicks when you're forty. You're just like, oh my gosh, I'm so awesome. <laughs> what? No, but honestly, you're like, you you are so, you know, there's something to be with insecurity when we start in our twenties. We don't know what we want in the thirties, mm-hmm. and then you have kids and family. This and that. So in forties, it's like. I don't know. Ask ladies. I think forties are just phenomenal. I think it's universal. I, I would say <laughs> I the same so same thing. I mean, in terms of, and maybe, I mean, I think we maybe are similar. In that, you think about how hard you've worked to clear off the space to be yes. able to have like your studio practice, yes. and that does mean sometimes saying no to things that, like, at least I feel like I really should be at that. Maybe. Oh yeah. But constant. First and foremost, like I have to protect that space because it yes. just was too damn hard to get to yes. this to this point. Um, yeah. So there is some kind of sacrifice, but uh, exactly. Yeah, I agree with you. Also, self-respect. You know, like I think it's hard for artists because we often so marginalized, and I know being on these. I'm gonna tell you. I didn't. Tell, I don't usually talk about this, but when I go to these conferences, art and science, yeah, you know, and I say I'm an artist, I get a one treatment. But when people know that I used to be a medical doctor and a scientist, they give me a different treatment. Totally. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember my first conference, uh, art and mathematics. I came there to have a speech, right? And I was with a friend, and people just ignore me majority were guys they just ignore me and I was like what's wrong with me I'm nice did I smile too much did I didn't smile I don't know what's happening <laughs> and I thought my my speech was one of the last okay last day around 3 p.m. and I thought my gosh nobody's going to come so I go there and everybody's there like the president the organizers all the school people and I deliver speech and they love it and I remember there was this professor from Spain, and he came to me, and he said, uh, I have to apologize. I thought, oh, here's a little blonde. She likes to do art. <laughs> yeah. And I got, uh, you know, I got, like, do you want to come to lunch with us? This was really good. And so I was stunned. You know, it's really like, I don't know. But I, I see that sometimes. And artists, artists are wonderful. I, I, I just, I don't know. 
if do I need to say this to all the artists? If this is opportunity, you're wonderful. You sacrifice so much. It's so hard to do this. You know, everybody, everybody has has this compensation to come in. It's so much easier to do something when you know every month you're gonna have a paycheck. You know, when you can afford things. This is like job that you never know what's gonna happen. It's so stressful. And, and I upload everybody. I really appreciate my colleagues. It's really hard. Wow. Yeah, it, it is. I think so many people look at a life in the arts as, um, as the easy way. Oh my God. And, 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 and let me tell you, it is not. It is not at all the easy choice, the easy path to do it right. I mean, you know, I think some people use it as an excuse, but if, if you're, I think if you're going to do it right and you're really going to pursue it, it is one of the most stressful choices that you can very, take. Very hard. And, and yet, um, at the flip side of that is it is can be one of the most rewarding. Yeah. If you're willing to make those sacrifices. Well, it is rewarding uh, as anything that you love to do, uh, but it's, I don't know. I, I think there's also mythology that for some reason doing art is more enjoyable than doing other things that you are passionate about. I really don't believe in that. I think people are passionate about marketing, get up and they're passionate about yeah, the idea. That's true. You know? Mm-hmm. That and, is true. and doctors and whatever you do, mm-hmm. you're passionate about it, mm-hmm. right? And so for some reason to think that I don't know. People think, oh, it's no, a it, myth, you know, for outsiders. Yeah, you know. It's a myth that it's just so amazing. I mean, it is amazing, but... It can be. But in our last, our, what I'm now dubbing our therapy uh, episode... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, I find it... I mean, there's nothing I'd rather be doing, but it's really hard work. Yeah. You know, sometimes you're just like, I don't know how I'm going to get from here to, yeah. you know, across this... Exactly. I mean, what's going to happen when we, when we are old? Oh. Will we have our health insurance? Who's going to pay for us? Our kids? Do we have kids? Are they going to be around? You know? Like, you, you need that some kind of basic security that for being an artist is really tough. Yeah. And I hope it improves. And I hope, you know, and that's another thing about how much artists pay when they teach. If they can even get a job. If they can even get a job, exactly. It's very and so it's few. We do need to work somehow together on all this, but I, I don't have answers now. So I have, I have, get I want to back question. up for a second, though, you know, because we kind of teetered on the notion of success. Yeah. You know, I, maybe you've already said it, but like, what what is success? I mean, you've had some really really impressive mm-hmm. exhibitions and opportunities. Yeah. Are, is, are you kind of eye on those prizes and what's next, or is it more in terms of like the, that next body of work that's trying to leap out of your brain? Uh, yeah. You know, is it is it a more process? If it's good in the studio, are you good, or is it like, man, I really need to be, yeah. you know, the the next Biennale? Or I, I, I'm kind of cocktail of contradictions. <laughs> So the ambition's there, but you're able to compartmentalize it at times to not drive yourself crazy. Yeah, I I mean I like I said, I have to make something every day. And usually that can be my work, that's fantastic. If it's not my work, like I, I 
I made this like object that was kind of interesting and I made it in an hour and a half and now it serves kind of as decorative purpose. I, I have to do something in that. And if you've done that, you've, are you fulfilled at the end of the day? It feels fantastic, right? Even if even if you end up tossing that or reworking it later, yeah, you're okay with that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Wow, yeah, that is. But why wouldn't you? <laughs> you know? Um, I think if you've got an achievement mindset, then you almost are expecting yourself to produce a masterpiece a day, or yep, that's a keeper every single day, and that's simply not the pace that creating. That is a misunderstanding of what it means to truly want greatness. And if you, if you, if people, it, it's misinformation. You have to make a mistake. If you're searching for something, right? Mm -hmm. Like, let's say there's a, how do I say? You know the treasure that you search on in this valley, right? And so you divide the valley, like maybe, I don't know, in 10 pieces, you start digging. And if you don't find it first day, at least you know that you are one day closer, right? So, so when I try something and it doesn't work, it actually it makes me so happy because I know that I'm done with this idea. My mind is more clear and I'm closer to that, what I really want. It, always, it gives me an answer, right? Even if you don't have a piece of art, you're closer to this new thing and you know how it's going to, going to be better. So I, I mean, I'm talking like you sound a fearless. first grade level. No, you're not. I mean, that, that, that no, sounds so And my so examples for are like a kindergarten. Like a, yeah, a relentless but, curiosity and a fearlessness that you're willing to, to walk away. Do you, I mean, do you save old work? I used to. Now I'm trying to <laughs> I'm in this minimalist phase. You know, if I really like something, take photographs. I just want to, I don't like clutter. Right. You know, it's like, So you will destroy or rework? Sometimes I rework. If I really, really, I, there was a period when I made really bad stuff. Don't we all? <laughs> and the That's people yeah. bought it. That's the scariest thing. People bought it. I was just having oh. this plan. How do I? Buy back all these things and burn them. You don't want them out there. <laughs> oh my yeah. god! Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but that's isn't that part of that's part of the path though, oh. right? Oh my gosh! But yeah. And someone is appreciating that step along the path. Yeah, but like, if you, what if my work means something, right? One day, and and you have all this thing emerging. I always say it's like it's, like it's my high school yearbook picture. You know, you're like, no, not that. No. It's like, please, no. It's like when like my you go to like see my parents and like they'll have some old photo out and yeah. then you just. Instantly exactly. throwing that down. Get that out of here. Exactly. Um, so even worse My dad has this poetry that I did, like, I don't know how he gets this poetry I did when I, I was very young. Just started the medical school. And it's cheesiest thing. <laughs> and I always say, next time when I go home, I need to find that box. <laughs> I need to throw that away. And I always forget. And those poems, oh gosh. <laughs> it's like a nightmare. <laughs> No, but it's a process, right? We're just humans. That's that's the curse, I think, of of uh, taking your art into the public realm. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, it's out there. It's not yours anymore. And as we grow and you burn through how many bodies of work, you're bound to just... Like, that's why I'm amazed at, like, musicians that, especially, like, in something like rock music, where, like, wow, you're playing a record that, you know, you wrote when you were 20 and mm -hmm. now you're mm -hmm. 45. Like, how do you do that and not blow your mm -hmm. brains out? I mean... Yeah. Exactly. I mean, something that rigid and formula, at least artists, you know, maybe the worst thing that's going to happen is that your MoMA retrospective and you're going to have to be in the same room with some older work. Um, I think that's one of the hardest things about being uh, an artist, and maybe it gets a little better with age, but is being yeah. um, diplomatic or maybe yeah. not reacting and, and saying anything. Like, I find it very hard to sometimes not disclaim yeah. Uh, amongst even friends and to try to just be a poker faced you know because I mean it's like you made it it's out yeah. there yeah it's true um, it's hard it's true professionally you started off you said earlier that that was really not probably what you should have been doing you needed to yeah. be a creator yeah. from the beginning and still you've embraced that history that cross disciplinary history and you felt free to let that inform and influence the work. Yeah. So what do you say to people who think, in order to be an, air quotes, artist, I need to stick to certain topics, or mediums even? Mm -hmm. What do you say to that? Mm. Well, it is kind of turning something that I thought might be my disadvantage, disadvantage into advantage, right? But it didn't come for me thinking too hard about it. So when I came to SCAD, I came as a painter. And it kind of was good, but it didn't really click. And I expected somebody to tell me uh, what to do. And when I say this, everybody just laughs. Ha, 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 somebody, nobody's going to tell you what, what to do. And I'm going to say now, yes, if you're a teacher, you're supposed to be a guide. And what you can do when a kid comes to you, right? You see their portfolio. With your knowledge, you immediately know what kind of styles, you know, this child's kind mm -hmm. of leaning That's to. That's true. Yeah. And then you can say, well, there's the whole line of art history that started then, and it looked like this, and check it out, how is it now, and tell me more. You know, I, I didn't literally want them to tell me what to do, but I needed direction. And I, I felt like that I would have to direct myself. And I just was wondering, okay, if I'm going to do something, I might do something that I really love. And some of the things that I really love was always genetics. I was always crazy about, you know, how DNA gets replicated mm. and all the stuff, how it influences the way we think, everything about us. And I started merging that art and science. And it just immediately happened. You know, immediately I got this, I discovered mathematics in it. I mean, it was just a, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it connected me with people outside of my world. It got uh, acknowledged by some of those things were immediately published and talk about these conferences, you know, in Europe and in the States. And I was like very happy. And so that that's just something, whatever it is, you can put it in your art practice, whatever. And that's the way it should be. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that's our personal histories. That's who we are. That's It's not a whole lot of fun, though, when you're kind of wandering in the desert. And I think grad school is yeah. maybe 
made to kind of throw you in a room and say, figure it out. Yeah. And I, I agree. You know, you're, you're wanting someone to tell you, and it still has to be. I think they can guide and nudge, yeah. but I still think it's got to come from within. And I think yeah. it's like, what is, I always think about like the, the lines that I'm attracted to. It's like my handwriting. I just exactly. like, so that's, I'm stuck with it. What yeah. can I do? And I think for yeah. you to be able to come back to uh, science and mathematics, and, and but I also see a lot of architecture. There's a lot of architecture, and I needed architects to come to my world to tell me that because I would never think of it. You know, I was just like doing design and doing systems, and when you do systems, things are so complex. Uh -huh. You know, and we we still in every area, people are trying to figure out what systems are, how they work. You know. And so I was very busy, and then when this architecture thing came out, it was surprised me, but I kind of liked it. But at the same time, I wasn't sure how to put it in a context, because I already had art, I already had science, I already had all these different mediums and architecture. But I think it's because uh, I use the same software that architects use, which is Rhino. Okay, yeah. And also, making installation in video, you always need architecture. Architecture becomes a part of your work forever, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. This is so site-specific that you have to think about. Architecture is, is like a sculptural piece, right? That, that becomes a part of this work. And I think that's how it happens. Um, so how do you, yeah, how do you connect, those, connect those dots between the architecture and the genetics? And the um, because I see it, but how do you articulate that? Yeah, you know, Matthew, it took me a long time to be uh, able to articulate it. Yeah. First, because English was so tough for okay, me. Yeah. Second, because I don't have did not have theoretical artistic background. Okay. That whole language is totally new to me. Which I also see as an advantage. <laughs> you know, it can be advantage, but it, it depends. You know, it depends. Um, but after the thing is just after I just made work and made work and made work, as you go, some things just fall off, and and you reaffirm what is important, and and then by this knowledge of what's more important, somehow you can create sentences that are more coherent, and and you kind of know more about your work. It just I think it happens through time. And what was for me, you know, I just noticed that more than my work looking scientific you know, it doesn't really always look scientific, maybe it reminds you more of architecture, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's methodology, because that's, that's how I think, that's how I learned how to think my whole education, more than 10 years, and then working in science um, so, so for a long time. And, and what scientific methodology is, you know, you, you zoom into things, you take things apart. I zoom into my sculpture, mm -hmm. I take them apart, I show a process. Mm -hmm. I'll also, you know, because genetics is so close to evolution, I always wanted one form to become something else. So I started translating line. Line will be a, a line in a space, it goes into shadow, shadow goes into drawing, mm -hmm. drawing go into fiber. But then another thing happened where I wanted not just to go through these different mediums, but to transform things, almost like making a new species. How can I take this sculpture and transform it into a photograph? 
but a photograph becomes something different. Mm -hmm. And it's similar, it has a quality that you say, aha, yeah, it reminds me of your sculptural work, but it's not the literal translation, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's not a sculpture of a horse and then a painting of a horse. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that always goes, this transformation of one form into another. And then microcosmos with macro, right? There's always that hint of, of something looking microscopic, even though it's very big. And especially with fiber, such an evocative material, it takes you, you know, like it can be a cellular, but it also looks very stellar, cloud-like. and So that zoom. Zoom in, zoom out, taking things apart, how they work, exposing how they work, metamorphosis. I find that is very scientific. It's just how I think. So it, I didn't think to do it. It just kind of rolled because that's my background, I think. Uh, despite your claims to the contrary that English is difficult, I was going to say in your statement I found some really... Uh, well thought out uh, oh, yeah. gems, but you know, you, you said that a video is a drawing in action. Yeah. And as we're sitting in here and we're mm -hmm. uh, able to view a piece yeah. and also and some of these photographs, and uh, I mean, you know, again, it sounds simple on the face of it, and yet and, and yet poetic. Um, Thank you. It took a while. To a come mirror of consciousness <laughs> and creativity, and it's just like, yeah, definitely. It is, and that's what I'm telling people because it's so exciting you know when, when, when you're a scientist when you want to know how a brain works right and creativity you put this, all these electrodes and you record which part of the brain gets lit up but when you draw oh my can you illustrate or whatever you you actually what you're doing you're making these decisions where to go with line my starting here, then I'm going up, then I want this line to be thicker, then I want this line to be thinner, then I want to connect these two dots. That's an immediate, first, that, that's a first visual uh, insight into how we think. Yeah. Right? This is your thought, this is a first, so that's for artists, that's a material of thought and of creativity, and I, I record that, I scoop that up. For me, that's a ready-made thoughts, the visual thoughts, and then I just play, kind of, you know, add color to it, I'll filter, rhythm, um, shape, it's almost musical, it mm -hmm. has to be musical, sure. it's abstract, right? But it, it is a process of thinking, and it's fascinating, to me at least, I, I just, I really love that. Can you elaborate, and not to put you on the spot, but you know, you, you no, put said... put it on the spot, put it on the spot. On the hot seat, uh, that your work asks, <laughs> asks, can our relationship to the natural world and new technologies be readjusted? Yeah. And I'm just curious, when you, like, how readjusted, or to, or to what? Yeah. Well, this is that thing that it's kind of utopian. <laughs> but, you know... What else, right? You, you, you try to do something because we're in such a mess with the environment because technology, and I'm thinking plastic, number one. You know, it's sure. everywhere. We drink it, we eat it. it we don't know how it's going to affect us. It's everywhere. And then also digital technology, everybody being on the phones mm -hmm. all the time. We ourselves constantly. 
And so in the process, a lot is lost. And, and so when I say readjust it, it's like, you know, people say, let's go back to nature. You don't want to kind of go back where we used to be. You want to be a part of the nature, but kind of in a new way. And so uh, for me, like I'm always inspired with biomimicking, for example, you know, studying living world and discovering these solutions that plants have or animals have and then making engineering gadgets that possibly can also be recycled or 3D printing houses with awesome materials that are totally biodegradable or making these new technologies so lean, maybe powered by sun. Recycle, you know, that's what I mean. Kind of, uh, We have to go forward. Technology is part of who we are. I don't think we can just forget it, but like just doing things in a smarter way. Uh, but definitely rediscovering nature. And, and for me, what I do with fiber, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tiny little thing, right? I just, I don't thread it. I don't felt it. I just stretch it to expose these microtangles and it becomes transparent and light and it, it looks very, um, uh, how do you say, industrial, right? Sometimes even looks fake, people think it's one of those foam things, right? Uh -huh. Which is fine, uh, but to me that's so important that it's organic and it's used in a different way. And um, I expect that from everybody. <laughs> And especially people who are engineers who make things, you know, mass produced, to, to look into nature for smarter ways of dealing with things or different ways. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the puffs earlier. A puffs. Yes, that's not the technical. <laughs> that's not the technically correct term, is it? Or, it yeah, I yeah. do not put that in my art statement. <laughs> Definitely not. You said that there are situations where these are displayed, and you encourage people to yeah to work with it, work with it, it the that, that's a recent practice uh-huh yeah and uh, I'm fine when they play with the uh, uh, lights but actually and I'm very happy because I see that people are happy and they discover the same thing like that I do you know when they put it next to light it just creates these beautiful landscapes that are very interesting to photograph and so that's great but <laughs> it takes so much time to separate those fibers. Yeah. It takes lots of times. And then I lightly spray them. And, and so then they become this like amorphous mass that it's very light. And, and the first thing for people to do is just to squish it. And when, <laughs> when that's squished, I think my stomach just flips. <laughs> and I keep... Yeah, it just keeps me to say, okay, it's okay. It's okay. You need to be generous. It's fine. You can always do your stuff, you know. And so, yeah, it, it's a new thing. But I, I'm really, I was just very happy that both kids and adults enjoy the process. And I wasn't sure, well, you know, we always say art. People need art, people need art, but sometimes I wonder, do they really need art? Oh, Especially that's great today. Question. But they need something real. I mean, you know, obviously on our little phones, we can do amazing things yeah. with light and all that, mm -hmm. but to actually be able to manipulate mm -hmm. an, a natural object and play with light, um, how does that 
not reignite some like childlike mm-hmm. curiosity, mm-hmm. which I think every year we get older, I think we need more of that because we get jaded and busy and tired. And yeah, well, I know for me, but I wasn't sure for other people. <laughs> <laughs> I really wasn't. I, I just. I, I didn't know what right, to think. I, sure, but I also think you know that is extremely generous because I mean I have to say like I don't know if I'd want people playing with my toys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> people will touch a painting and always love it, but uh, yeah. But I mean that that is I very know. that is very generous to have uh, yeah. to create that kind of tactile experience. In the, in the pre-show, we were talking about Richard Tuttle. I don't know if you've seen this. Artists are like clouds. The interview. It's available on YouTube. You can. Huh? It, it, it is. It is fascinating because he goes into his his backstory, some of the formative experiences yeah. that he had as a child, uh-huh. and he also specifically goes back to a moment. I believe it's kindergarten when they were drawing lands the usual landscapes, yeah. and. He has this, and now I don't know. In hindsight, I'm sure the narrative has has, has changed quite a bit. Yeah. But he is sharing this experience where other kids they're drawing their landscapes, and they've got the neat little horizon with the sun in the in the in the corner, mm-hmm. and his doesn't at all look like the rest of them it's it's not your usual because all kids kind of do the same kind of landscape layout right yeah. we're taught that way and he did his a different way mm-hmm. and the teacher did not display his with the other children he was he was deemed for having a non compliant landscape oh. it didn't work with that with that formula of what it was supposed to be. He didn't. So at that early stage, he didn't fit in the cubby, the neat little cubby that, and that changed his view for the rest of his life. She gave him a favor in the end, not knowingly. That is exactly what he said. He is thankful to that teacher for, for doing that. And I'm thinking about what we've discussed here, and there are so many similarities with... (laughs) Yeah. Take it. It's true. I work despite the things that happen to me, not because they happen. Sometimes and I yes. say that, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I became a doctor because some things that happened to me. I used to be very ill when I was a child. It was kind of traumatic, and I thought, I'm going to be a good doctor, you know. Mm-hmm. But then there was this different reality that was calling me. But I have a lovely story. I think you're going to like it. About those formative experiences, right? In my... Uh, communist Yugoslavia. <laughs> I'm rather communist, but there are some good things. <laughs> and so we had, you know, we had two programs. They were very much like PB, PBS, right? And lots of cultural kind of things. And, you know, I would, um, I don't know what was this, why I was in school. It was probably one of the breaks or something. And I got up one morning, I you know, had my breakfast, uh, I was alone at home, and I turned on the telly. It was this art program, right? And they were talking about this man, this famous artist, who painted people with paint, and then they were doing prints. Mm-hmm. You know, with bodies. Now I know it's an Eve Klein. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but I remember, because as a child, you know, I, I just remember 
you know, experiences of early life, when you're trying to figure out what life is and what art is, you know, so you have these ideas in your mind when you close, close your eyes and so interesting, right? And then you can draw with your hands better maybe than some other people. I'm like, that's interesting too. So, so I have this mind, yeah, and then I have this hand. But when I saw that, it just hit me because what meant for me was like, oh my gosh, my whole body is art. I can make art with all of me. It was like activation or something. Wow. <laughs> I loved it. I can't tell you to me We've it was like a discovery. <laughs> I totally did. Ew <laughs> Clown was my Yoda or something. I oh, don't wow. know. <laughs> Pure Yoda. <laughs> I mean, I remember that moment so well, and it made me so happy because it also tells me, told me that there's always something more to experience. People really didn't figure everything out, and that was a great hope. It's a kind of adventure, right? I'm going to discover something, right? And so it was interesting. When I was at SCAD, I, I did a couple of performances, and I went to find some books about performance art, and they have a really great library over there. And I stumbled upon a little catalog about Yves Klein. And I start reading it, and I'm reading and I'm thinking to myself, wow, my English reading really improved because I'm reading so fast, right? And then I figure out, this is not English, this is Serbian. <laughs> <laughs> They had Serbian catalog of, on Yves Klein's art. from Sef I guess he was big then in Serbia. He had a retrospective in Belgrade or whatever and and it was just such a lovely moment to connect all that and I was like oh this is so magic <laughs> I'm gonna do a performance <laughs> wow that's <laughs> meant to be yeah, yeah it was really sweet right and it was funny too because I was like wow my English is so fast those and, moments uh, are so important it is they It's are like so important did you steal the catalog did you keep it Can you imagine I didn't? I can't believe I didn't. No. Gee. I can, I can see, I can see Plus you. Plus, you probably wouldn't have been able to graduate. They're good, they're good about that. <laughs> They don't give you that paper until you turn in all your library books. Oh, dear. Yeah, now I'm sad. I'm so straight. I mean, I'm so like, uh, should have stolen. <laughs> I should have hold it in my purse and just show it to you here it is you could, you, you could have made a separate donation the Hollywood version that there'd be like no stamp no kind of library yeah. uh, you know yeah. you could have just oh, walked man. out but I, I am more interesting than that <laughs> probably find it on uh, Amazon for hundreds no, of dollars actually now. I'm still a member there you go <laughs> <laughs> Connect with Joe and Matthew and find out more about this and other episodes at BrainFuzzPodcast.com. On social media, share your thoughts and comments with hashtag BrainFuzzPodcast. Now, go and find your Yoda. <laughs>